period. I'm a black, brown, and indigenous. Gotta holla if you really feeling this. Gotta holla if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holla if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna live in abundance. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing. We gotta do something different. We gotta change how we live in. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain. How you just sitting there chilling? Make sure my mic is unmuted. Um, thank you for everyone that told me about that the last episode, actually. <laughs> a little insider for people that saw that. But anyway, th- thank you so much for uh, listening in. This is uh, the Jabari Vot Podcast. Um, and again, I have another special guest. Now, one thing that this is going to be very interesting. A lot of people have known that I have uh, interviewed a lot of different doctors, lawyers, uh, musicians, CEOs. Um and a lot of politicians that are in the Green Party and other different parties that are not really from Connecticut. I only interviewed about two people from Connecticut compared to the, all the other candidates. Um, so we have a mayor candidate here today um, that is running for the city that I live in here in Connecticut, um, who has a very, very great track record of going after uh, white collar crimes with corruption and hedge fund assholes. And everyone that listens to this platform knows how I feel about the hedge fund babies. Um, so it's very, very, <laughs> it really caught me uh, by surprise when a great uh, friend of mine, Carrie El- uh, Ellington, um, if I said your last name, homegirl, I'm sorry. And when she told me about this guy, I was very, very uh, shocked, first of all. Um, that there was somebody running for mayor that had such a platform like him, but we're, we're going to get into. Um, so I think it's so very, very important to continue these conversations. And I want everybody in New Haven to see this video. And if you haven't heard of Jabari Bach podcast, please share this video to everybody in New Haven. Share it. Well, I want everyone in New Haven to see this. Yell students, the the, even um, the, the people from all over, from East Rock to Westville, from Westville all the way to Grand Ave, from Grand Ave to where I'm at over here in the white area. Everybody needs to share this. Um, I think this is going to be a great, powerful um, conversation that we're going to have. Um, so without further ado, if you like this video, please like, share, subscribe. Uh, the link will be in the description. Donate keep this show going as you can see the quality is getting so much better now since the beginning and it's only because of the support and the love that i have gotten from everyone that has seen this this journey from the beginning from two years ago so thank you so much without further ado i'd like to bring up the mayor the mayor one of the mayor candidates for new haven uh liam brenda hey jabari how you doing very very well very very well Thank you so much for coming on, Liam, and taking the time out of your busy schedule. I see you on Instagram doing a lot of informative work, um, and I really, really do appreciate the conversations that you are bringing to light that, you know, 
I was talking about you at the job and people look at me like he said, what about drugs? <laughs> you know, these are people that have, you know, lived longer than me. They got about maybe 20 years under the belt ahead of me and everything from the 80s, the Reagan era. You know, we have seen the war on drugs in a certain way, a certain light. And one thing that we can all agree with, no matter what is someone's um, position on whether or not drugs are bad or good, the war on drugs is a failure. And we need to talk about why it's a failure. And one of the things about your platform is something I definitely agree with, is if you could explain to the people about your, your platform on the war on drugs. Sure. I mean, I, I fully agree. And I think one thing um, that I think really most people, when they think about it, know is that the war on drugs is a failure. That this, um, if our goal over the last 50 years has been to combat drug use and to stop it, we have failed. We have totally failed. And if we think about that common saying of like what the definition of insanity is, like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, I think that is what we're doing. But I also think like right now at this time, people across the country kind of get, and, and I think certainly in New Haven do understand that this is a failure, that it doesn't work, that prosecuting people to put them in drugs for, put them in jail for what is a addiction issue or mental health issue, um, a recreation that, you know, you might think is antisocial, but is um, not a crime in the sense that we think of crimes. This is something that people realize, but we don't know how to talk about we're not talking about it in the way um, that we need to and i think with this campaign what i'm trying to push is to make clear that the war on drugs has failed it's over we need to speak up and say that and articulate that and then decide that we're going to move on and do something different this is a public health issue it has real serious consequences for people's lives people die people get addicted uh, we don't want that to happen but we're not addressing it by throwing them in jail it's not making anything better. And there are better ways and better ways to use our resources that don't have all these negative consequences for folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. Um, and just off of how you mentioned about how a lot of uh, these arrests are don't really don't happen as much in the suburbs as much as it happens in the city, which is something I really didn't know about. Um, can you talk about that? Um, just sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that we see, I mean, so I used to be a prosecutor, right? And mm -hmm. I used to, um, when I was here in Connecticut, um, I had this awesome office. It wasn't very big, but it looked over the green. And I would look out and I would see Yale sitting out there. And, you know, no one who is ever getting picked up uh, on drugs in New Haven is getting picked up from Yale. It just does, it is not happening. Um, but we know people there are using drugs. Like, I mean, this is not a surprise. Right, and right. People will tell you that they are. And so what we have is like two systems of justice that are existing in our country, even within our same city. So you were talking about suburbs, which is totally an issue. But even within our same city, you could be using drugs on Yale or even in Westville. I know some people, some adult middle-aged folks who are like, you know, hitting up the hard stuff. Uh, and they do it without expecting or any fear of getting arrested and going to jail for it. But if you go to New Hallville or you go to Fairhaven, you could you do the same activity and you could end up in prison. And this really having these two systems of justice is fundamentally unfair. I think it's unjust. It makes me angry. Um, but it also is going to rot any sort of democratic institutions that we have, any civic nature that we have, because it makes everything a farce. Uh, and that's something that we know. You know, we know that 
people use and abuse drugs across all demographic lines, race, class, location, right? This happens, this has been well-documented. But in Connecticut, overall in the state, about um, the, the arrest rate for drugs, about 6.7 to 7% of arrests in the state are for drug use or possession or some sort of drug crime. But in 2020 here in New Haven, 40% of our arrests were for drugs. Now, uh, so there, there's just like vast divergences, even though people are using it at the same rates across communities. And so that's fundamentally unfair. That's falling on black and brown residents here in New Haven. That's falling on lower income residents here, here in New Haven. Uh, and it's just simply unjust and it's also ineffective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think that is a very strong look at just of the biases within the police departments. Um, and when people ask, well, what is the problem? Uh, like, just let's just assume there's people, which we know there are, but they don't they're, they don't like to be outspoken like they used to be. But to mm-hmm. somebody that doesn't fully understand, I feel like talking about that, just how they how they just literally focus on communities like mine and um and, and latino and black communities basically um just to arrest people like look at the look at um the prison population it's majority of non uh violent uh drug offenses that is leading in black and brown especially black and indigenous population mm-hmm. um and just off of that shows you that the system has failed um and it's okay for people <laughs> to understand that we failed because I'm not going to say we, I'm just going to say that the establishment has failed um, because this is literally a problem to the point that the population is higher than any other country's uh, prison population. And for us to say that we are a moralistic country, which we're not, why is our prison population so high? And I think that your idea on addressing that is a very, very good start on looking at how we can decrease these prison populations and looking at the war on drugs as being such a fallacy that we actually do not pursue these type of uh, uh, criminal uh, arrest on people that are just in uh, underprivileged neighborhoods. Yeah, I mean, that's totally true. I mean, I think, well, the, the, what you're saying, it makes me think of kind of two things. One, um, you know, we've been pushing this issue and raising this issue. And then I saw last week or earlier this week, um, the mayor said, well, well, since over the last few years, drug prosecutions in New Haven have dropped, um, which is true. So those numbers that I gave you in 2020, they've gone down since then. So it's gotten better, coming a little closer, although not fully in line with the rest mm-hmm. of the state and how we treat, you know, suburban white populations. But that doesn't that really doesn't answer the problem when it be, then becomes a system where um, there's no clear rule um, and uh, it can be whimsical whether somebody ends up getting prosecuted or not. So then you're at the whim of a particular police officer or a particular mood in the city. And um, then, you know, that puts people in a very unsecure and unsafe place vis-a-vis law enforcement in their towns. And so that's why I think it's really important to be clear and to articulate this and to say that we failed, that this doesn't work. And now let's move on. You know, I have talked to elected politicians who do acknowledge what I'm saying. They will say, yes, that's right. And it's wrong. They'll admit it as wrong, like that Yale or Westville people doing the same things don't end up in prison, but they don't know what to do. And so that puts them in a kind of a, a frozen position. Um, and this is something like I, I truly understand. Like I understand the like 
concern around this. You know, in the in the street I grew up on, sometimes we'd find drug paraphernalia around. That was not fun. There was a guy down the street who dealt, and all the parents, all the parents would be like, "Stay away from that guy. You got to stay away from him." And from a parent's point of view, I totally understand. That makes complete sense, and I think it was the right advice to give a kid. But I would often see my dad outside talking to this gentleman, um, and it was like really strange because my dad is like this very like conservative, upright, you know, and not he's not like conservative big C, but he's just like you know he's kind of tucked in, um, straightforward, upright guy, and he'd always just be out there chatting. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, one, and I just remember one day him saying to me, "I can use the man's name, but he's like so and so. Let's call him Ben." And all of that, Ben, you know, he just got himself in a bad way. He got himself in a bad way. And it really was like a, a thing that sat with me for years to think about, you know, you know, all this finger wagging, which is right, you know, because they didn't want their kids to fall into this. But like him seeing him as a person who got himself in a bad way. And I think we all know that. Mm-hmm. And there are ways, public health ways to deal with this. Um, and it doesn't mean we need to accept like dealing right on the street, open air drug markets, all these things people want to fear monger about. We don't, have to, we don't have to accept that, but we should decriminalize this and move this out of the criminal realm and address it as a public health issue. I firmly believe that. I think that's the way we're going. We need people to stand up and articulate this, saying that we've just like decreased drug arrests, but we're not taking a stand against the whole system is not going to work. It's not pointing a future, pointing like a path towards the future. Uh, and it's a weak response to what we're facing. Yeah. You mentioned um, about uh, your, your family um, and what you've been through uh, with, with getting the understanding of this type of nature. Um, are, are you are your, your last name is Brendan. You are you uh, Irish? I am. Yeah. Oh, I'm good at last names. <laughs> my um, all my grandparents came from Ireland and um, uh, well, the, and four of my six aunts and uncles immigrated, too. But they were like kind of born along the way on the course that travel through a few other places to get here. Awesome. Awesome. Where are you, where are you originally from? I grew up in Stanford, Connecticut. So okay. uh, when my grandparents came in, everybody moved to the Bronx. One of my grandfathers went through Boston, but then ended up down there. Then my mm-hmm. mom got a job teaching in Stanford public schools. She moved up here. Uh, awesome. Stanford. And Stanford is a city as well too, like New Haven. Yep. Um, so you, I can only imagine exactly like the stuff that you have seen um, growing up in Stanford that is in parallel to uh the elm city <laughs> very true very true and, and in the 1980s like the 80s were like a different time for cities you know what i mean like cities right. have a shine these days which is nice i mean we all have our rough spots as well you know but people people like giving up on cities in the 80s man <laughs> it was sad but it was i mean it was great um yeah but I, I, that part i really appreciated just um it's one of the things i really appreciate about new haven too is that there was just such a great conglomerate of all sorts of different people uh, that I feel like was really something that helped ground me and uh, ground me as well. Awesome. Awesome. And you know, one thing when I talk about cities, a lot of things that we talk about, which is what's on your platform is a public safety and justice reform. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have had definitions. I had Justin Farmer on here before talking about public safety. Um, There's so many different ways that we can talk about advocating for justice, uh, for public safety. And I believe we already spoke on the justice reform part, but if there's anything we're missing that you would like to add on to that, but if you could break down what is your advocacy for just for public safety on your platform. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, Excuse me. I think we need to think of public safety like in a very much more holistic view of what we mean by public safety. And so um, justice, the criminal justice system, criminal legal system, this is all just part of it. 
Um, but public safety is everything that promotes the well-being and uh, the security of our populations. And um, one thing I think when we're looking at this, you know, we, and I've been, and I'm not like casting aspersions, like I've been party to this as well. Like sometimes we just think of public safety and justice in kind of um, criminal legal realm, in carceral ways. Um, and what I want to do and what I think we can do is kind of have a much broader understanding of that and think of many different ways to address public safety in general. So that's why I've been pushing so hard on this, like really declaring that the war on drugs is over and then coming up with a path forward. Um, but I also think when we talk about gun violence as well, um, you know, I, we have seen um, the city here in New Haven, um, we've seen the mayor go up to Hartford and push for increased cash bail um, as a way to address gun violence. We've seen the chief tell the Board of Alders last week that they have um, increased traffic stops, motor vehicle stops 300% in an attempt to address gun violence. Whereas we know like it's the presence of guns in communities that is really what makes it more likely or not for people to shoot one another. And, you know, we know that like in communities where there are no guns, people are not shooting one another. Like teenagers are teenagers, kids are kids, like people get into disputes, but the presence of a gun makes someone more likely to use it. And I think if we take common sense gun regulation and bring it to the local level, we can really address this on a very basic way before something happens without throwing more people in jail um, and bring public safety in, into our city and increase it within our city. In addition, I think we need to think of things like the living conditions that people live in and like safety on the roads as well. So even though we've had this like 300% increase in motor vehicle stops, I can, I mean, I know it's not for like speeding because I see people speeding out there all the time. Oh, I yeah. mean, trying to, <laughs> trying to like come up with reasons to get in the car and target guns. Um, and I know we can address speeding by the built environment around it. You know, we have people die on our streets. We have people are killed by, by, by car and vehicular um, violence every year. We can address that. And like Hoboken, New Jersey has had no motor vehicle deaths for four years. I mean, for four years. That's incredible. It's something we can do and something we need to think about in terms of our well-being. And secondly, like building inspections. So we have like 80,000 like 80, rental units here in New Haven. We've got like 11 or 12 inspectors. We've just proposed 34 new positions in our city government and none of them are housing inspectors. And this has a real impact on people's lives. I mean, we're talking about what the air they breathe, whether there's lead in their homes, um, all sorts of um, public health and safety issues. And instead we're adding um, additional sergeants and lieutenants, adding detectives, I think that's a good thing. I mean, detectives I think are helpful in a way, but adding sergeants and lieutenants that we don't really need right now. We don't have those, all, those positions even all filled at the moment. Um, and we're not adding housing inspectors, which this makes a huge difference. That's where I think we need a real new thinking on public safety. You uh, you got my attention there um, with the the push for just so Justin Alliker is for hiring more sergeants and lieutenants than actual inspectors for housing. Yes, when there's over eighty thousand um, houses to be inspected. The budget has no no new positions for the Liberal Cities Initiative. No new housing inspectors, and we are just we are not keeping pace at all. And then also, I mean, then these, you know, these mega landlords are going like run away, like increasing rents and taking advantage of people left and right. And so, oh yeah, I mean, there's just so much that needs to be addressed there that is not being addressed by this budget. And instead we're kind of doing um, like a 
what I would consider kind of like a fake play at public safety by adding 11 to 12 out of our total 34. Oh, we got 34 new positions and 11 or 12 of them are all in the police department. Um, when we're not totally ridiculous filling the positions that we have. So yeah. I think, um, I think we need to be honest and I think we need to, uh, really look at this, these things critically. I, I'm, I'm keeping my proposal, my composure right now because that kind of pissed me off. Cause I'm also thinking about the fact of how he has literally evicted a uh, tent city, uh, residents, um, over, and uh, by the Yale Bowl, and he's also targeting other tent city areas, but he cannot take the initiative to actually help out to make better housing and, and have inspectors and stuff like this, but he's gung-ho on getting rid of uh, tent cities where people are not actually bothering the public, and, and, and the fact that, you know, that, that the issue of bothering the public for unhoused people also irks me too, because it's as if they want to ignore the issue and pretend that it's less, even though a thousand homeless people in New Haven may be uh, what 10% of the New Haven population or 1% of the New Haven population. Hope my math is correct, but that is still can be an increase, especially when people are going paycheck to paycheck and they are 50% of the population is, um, threatened to be unhoused um for people that are listening yes i do pay attention to what goes on into my city <laughs> so um i think it's very very important that uh we address that um as being the most important thing housing saves lives housing increases life expectancy housing um depletes um uh, crime and poverty good housing depletes crime and poverty um, if people don't get that, then they are living on a rock. Um, but this is actually the next part that you have, actually, the housing in the community. Is there anything else that you would like to add on to, to this part? Or do we already cover this and we go on to New Haven Public Schools? I mean, I think the thing, I think what I would want to stress, I think housing is like a huge issue. Um, I've been told that people don't vote on housing, like it's really important for people don't vote on it. I don't know if that's true, because I see here in New Haven, we've got a vacancy rate. Of less than two percent so basically that means like it's, it's basically none because that means like it's vacant for a second and then it's filled you know right it's just gonna let rents like just continue to, to increase right uh, and and so um when we you know i know the city had valid concerns about things like you know feces in the river water and all, all other things around tent city um, but they knew that those people were there for like three years and then had to choose like a freezing cold winter's day to do this right. um, when they ignored it for three years. It really and then had this huge police presence out there. It made no sense to me. Uh, and also it was a missed opportunity to really address the root issues that we have here. Like we will see more 10 cities. We will see more homelessness unless we tackle our housing problems and tackle them fast because homelessness is essentially a housing issue. Right. And you, know, you, you can look, you, people talk about mental health, they talk about addiction or whatever they want to talk about, but it doesn't map on to where people have addiction rates or mental health issues. There's other states, other cities that have worse mental health issues, worse addiction issues, but they don't have the homeless issues we have because we've got this really hot housing market that is leaving people behind. And so we need to fundamentally rethink and be very aggressive on getting housing and housing affordability here in the city so that we can meet the demands and meet the needs of our residents. Like we're building all these like luxury apartments, which probably takes some pressure off the housing costs, but they're not like three bedrooms that families really need. You know, they're not right. like 
more than two bedrooms that families really need. And so it's not really addressing those needs of people who are, who are cost burdened and, and, and need those spaces. And so I think we need to think, I think we need a complete overhaul of our zoning code to make it easier and quicker to build just like traditionally um, naturally occurring affordable housing, like those multifamilies that can like easily and like at low cost. Like the right ones by the river. Yep. The, 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 beautiful the, homes. Yeah, they can, they're totally nice. They fit a, make a nice neighborhood and they can be affordable for people right off the bat. Um, and that's like a market, but it's like a lower market because you've not got the pool and the gym and, you know, all these things that raise the cost of, thing, of, of the price of housing. Then I also think we can invest some of our public resources in creating housing as well. And we've got excess street space. We've got excess city space that can be converted and should be to housing for people. And we, we need to be aggressive about this. Talk about this now. We are not keeping pace. We're not meeting the needs. And like, this is just a complete ab abdication of leadership in this realm, I think. I think we can mm. do a lot better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And how many vacancies, by the um, by the way, um, in, intimate domain buildings are in New Haven? Do you know? I, I don't I don't actually know. But there are a number of like empty buildings that, or there are empty lots um, that can be built on. But right now, that's illegal to do so under, under the code. Uh, because ah. in like the 50s and 60s and 70s, like we suburbanized our code and made a lot of, of our existing housing, I know, right? Made a lot of our existing housing illegal. And so now we can't replace it. And that's insane. Very. <laughs> changed, um, and we need to talk about it and do it fast. And I think there are ways, there are actual ways to do it fast. Like we have paths to be able to do this quickly as a city if we have some leadership on the issue. Totally. I totally agree. Um, I, I, I totally agree with that. And again, I'm very happy that you're talking about that because I haven't heard that from other people. I mean, okay, okay, okay. Jamar, don't lie. I've heard it from Karen. Hi, Karen. You do a great job. But I just think that we need more voices on this. And it's being overlooked. The quietness on what is going on is so appealing UAC, homeless people that are organizing under UAC, they need to be on the headline. They need to always be heard in the media. This is happening every single where. And New Haven is a small city that can do like what Houston is doing and try to show how we can combat unhoused um, conditions, how we combat that. I think small cities like New Haven, like Houston, well, Houston is a lot bigger than New Haven, um, but it's still considered a small city uh, compared to other cities. I think that we can combat um, and show an experiment that can be led to help Los Angeles and whatever the fuck they're going through, uh, San Francisco, um, New York City, um, Chicago, um, all the major cities. I think we can do something here that can help out. And I said that last time and I was quoted on the news and I will keep standing by that. We can do an experiment here that can help this country. Fuck capitalism and their damn reasons. It's about people, not profit. Um, so thank you so much, Liam, for <laughs> being a part of that voice. New Haven Public Schools. Um, I find this very, very interesting. Um, because throughout all my advocacy as being a labor, a labor activist and everything, I feel like that I have not actually, um, uh, have given a lot of attention helping out for public schools and, and the youth. 
Um, so I will, I am very, I would say I'm ignorant towards what's going on. I know about the SROs because I was actually that generation that SRO started in. Um, I'm 30 years old, just to give people a context. I graduated in 2011, um, and I was in that graduating class where they started putting SROs and um, um, metal detectors in schools. Um, and I, I grew up in Bridgeport, so it was a lot of like, it was a lot of like violence that was going on. But it was, it wasn't to the point where we needed to keep demonizing our youth into these high schools by traumatizing them early with police office with police officers on school where to the point that in the suburbs if you fight you're not going to get you'll probably get suspended but you'll be able to come back to school and all that stuff when the sros came in we we got arrested and suspended so we basically were put into a prison a school to prison pipeline that still exists today um, so I just wanted to give my two cents on how I feel, how fucked up public schooling is, especially in an urban community where we both come from. Um, so if, if you could take the floor on what do you want to do for public schools? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the SRO situation is re really fascinating because everybody's always talking about how we don't have enough police. <laughs> But we can put 12 police officers permanently in a school and a school needs to be a complete police zone in a free country like this. That doesn't make sense. But that is, I don't think that's the best use of resources. I don't think that's the way to deal with our youth. I don't think that's what we need to be doing. Um, and I think we need to look clear eyed at those things. Um, but, um, you know, my kids are in the public schools. They've been in them for eight years. Um, I'm a product of Stanford Public Schools uh, being in a diverse public school setting was really a very formative experience in my life. And that's partly why I wanted my kids to have that as well. Um, but we shortchange our school system all the time. Um, I don't, the thing is, I don't like criticizing the school system because I also love it at the same time. So I don't want to give people the wrong impression about that. You know, there mm -hmm. is all overall, there's so many great things and it's so worth, worth it for me. Um, uh, but I, because I love it, I want to make it better. And I think what we see my own kids, their, their school lost teachers every year, pretty, pretty much every year they've been in the schools. And this is just kind of drop. It's like horrible for children. The teachers don't want it to happen either. And they're forced by circumstances of whatever that caused it to occur. Um, but no one was talking about this. Like no one I felt in the city was really speaking out about this as an issue and trying to speak about a way to address it. Um, I think as an employer, just like employment 101, if you're not paying your staff uh, equally as mm. other folks who are paying similar staff elsewhere, they're gonna go elsewhere. That's just like yes. any, any sort of employer, any yes. sort of job. And if you're a city leader in this city right now, you have to talk to the public about that and say, yes, we won't be able to, to keep our staff. If you're not talking about that, and if you're not trying to come up with solutions, then you're just washing your hands of this issue. And you're just condemning our kids to having a rotating door of teachers pro probably in the middle of the year and losing them, which is really disrupted for, for kids uh, and not something we want a system to be based on. So if financially we can't address it this year or next year, that's fine. And then perhaps that can happen. But we need to speak to the public and say this is something we want to address and that we're going to try five years, 10 years out. 
We set the cost of doing it. We work backwards on how we're going to raise that cost. We cut other things or we raise more revenue in other ways so that we can fulfill that. But we have to articulate these goals to ever be able to reach those goals. Mm. And that is a clear goal that I have for the, the city. And I think hopefully this new contract that the union's been able to negotiate will help like stop that. Um, but what like drove me bonkers about the whole process getting there is that City Hall fought the union on the contract and no one on the Board of Ed, no one, the mayor and no one in the mayor's office ever articulated this to the public like this is a real issue and this is something we got to tackle. This is something I want to tackle. Never even heard that. This is something I want folks to know. I want to tackle and make sure that we continue to tackle. Because even when I talk to uh, the teachers who are really happy about the new contract, probably could even be better, but we'll see. They also say there's a lot of non-payment issues that would just make them feel better and feel more appreciated as an employee force. Uh, and I think that's really important. You know, the mayor has never sat down and met with the teachers ever. This is something we need to do. We need to hear from them. We need to show love and appreciation to like appreciate this like really fundamental important thing that's important for education, for economic development, for the like basic building blocks of a democratic government, a democratic society. It's like a public education is key to all of those things. And so it's this like huge resource. We need to show it some love and we need to be intentional about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, teachers are so underpaid in America. Um, and it's very, very sad because they literally are the ones that give some of the most biggest impacts on all of us. Um, and the fact that their jobs are treated so like awful compared to other occupations is just honestly just baffling. And I can't believe that people act like that towards teachers and you know i get it that when you have a bad teacher you know it's a bad teacher but to reflect that type of attitude towards all teachers and just the scrutiny about education and all this stuff it doesn't solve anything it just makes the problem a lot more worse and then and you know teachers literally have to buy their own shit just to <laughs> just to teach it that's just insane because they make about how much i make as a food service worker so i'm like how the hell are they even able to afford any of that like why is that even a thing um and i agree that we should i didn't even know that teachers had a union um here in new haven is that for like certain schools or is it for um all the all, all the public schools all the traditional public schools um uh -huh. New Haven Federation of Teachers. So they have a union that, um, and there was a big vote, um, I think it was last year or two years ago. Anyway, they got new leadership, which was able to negotiate um, a new contract that is really, I think, should take a, a good bite out of the like retention problem. Hopefully, it's, hopefully it does it, but I think um, there's still a, a bunch of ways to go. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that that was that was actually no that's actually something that I can definitely um I, I'm I'm in full support as a union guy I support my fellow union teachers I'm in felt fellow full support of that because that was going to be the next question I was going to be like why well, haven't the teachers unionized oh no they do so we just got to make that union better and that's the problem with capitalism uh, people that are listening like people that talk junk about unions it's not all unions it's just that under this system. Some unions are shaken so easily because they have to deal with a lot of nonsense in the background. Um, I'm, I'm speaking off of experience from my union. So 
that's why we got to do what we got to do. And so we only make unions better. We don't need to get rid of unions. Stay with unions, pro union. Make everybody into a union. God damn it. But anyway, I don't want to take any more time <laughs> from you, uh, Liam. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, I uh, also everyone check out his uh page. I'm going to have his page up on the description, and I'm also going to make sure that you have access to the link again. New Haven, share this out, share this out, New Haven. Um, so we can be able to have these conversations and see how many different candidates we can have. This guy, Liam, is freaking awesome. I want you to talk to him. You know, he's he's very easy and approachable. Um, he's not the jerk or anything. He's a great guy. He will definitely talk to you. Um, can they reach reach you on your Instagram if they have any questions? Or is there any uh, is there an email you would like for them to? Sure thing. You can reach us on our Instagram um, at LB New Haven is Instagram. It's also our Twitter at LB New Haven um, or Liam for New There's like ways to send us messages through there and we can email back and forth. Um, those are probably the easiest, fastest ways to remember and get to them. And it's true. I do love to talk to people. So feel free to talk to me anytime you see me anywhere. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Liam, I want to thank you so much for coming on. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And to everybody out there, like, share, subscribe. If you like what you hear, support the show. There is a link um, at the bottom to uh, donate. And please donate because this keeps uh, great conversations like this going on. Um, and I wish you the best of luck, my friend. And I hope you have a really good day, Liam. Thanks. You too. Thanks for having me. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Blank period, yeah. I'm a black, brown, and indigenous. Gotta holla if you really feeling this. Gotta holla if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holla if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna live in abundance. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing. We gotta do something different. We gotta change how we live in. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand in. Hey everyone, if you like the content that you're hearing, uh, please support the show. Uh, we have subscriptions up right now for a monthly dollar a month or up to whatever donation you feel uh, comfortable with. And also, you can hit my link bar, which is in um, the description of the show, uh, to send me donations for Venmo and Cash App. And all this goes into bringing in better quality and also better content. So thank you. Have a good day.